Almost Awakened podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. Welcome to another episode of Almost Awakened. We've got uh, Bill and I on this morning and Holly Hope. Hi, Holly. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Oh, very good. It's a good morning. It is a good morning. It's crazy with all of this quarantine stuff going on, um, but I'm super glad we have technology to stay cre- uh, connected and be able to do these kinds of interviews. It is good morning. Um, so I th- we've met a couple of times, but I've always been fascinated by what it is that you do. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what, what it is you do? So my official title, I guess, is the intuitive emotion coach. So I help people to identify trapped negative perspectives on a conscious and an unconscious level. So it's a lot like being a cynical psychic where you match patterns and habits and then you have all the woo side of things metaphysical and spiritual. And so I'm kind of this in the middle person. So I do sound healing and intuitive readings. Um, Just basically emotional crap clearing is kind of the name that people love to call me. (laughs) So that's kind of my world. All things emotional, which is huge right now. So yeah, tell me a little bit about what you mean by emotional crap clearing. So emotional crap clearing is finding those. Well, it's interesting because a lot of times we'll go through things on a conscious level. Um, I used to work for a therapist's office and it was interesting because people would go through and they would talk through their emotions and their struggles and their problems over and over and over again. And it would take years for them to find what the root cause was because we will often do a distracted emotional, what's the word, um, diving in and distracting ourselves from what we want to have cleared because we're focused on something else. Um, maybe something we're trying to avoid or we don't see what's on the top. So for years I would go and do talk therapy and then I would go to energy workers and clear stuff unconsciously. But it was like my front of my brain and the back of my brain were going in two different directions and wanting two different things. And so because they wanted these different things, we were never on the same page. And so it would be like talking in circles and finding things and clearing things and then finding those things again over and over again. And so clearing emotional crap are like the blocks, the self-sabotage, the things that we don't see that we're doing, that we keep doing. And we go, ah, why am I here again? Why is this lesson coming back? Why do I have the same cycles going on in my life? And sometimes they can take a week. Sometimes the cycle can be like 10 years or like negative relationships with people and the same types of relationships come up or um, money relationships and the same type of money situations keep coming up and we get out and we get clear and then something happens and it comes back and we're like, really? Didn't I already learn this? So that's what we call kind of the emotional crap, the stuff that we're not allowing ourselves to see or we see, but we don't know how to move through and process and change or do something different because it's kind of our default, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I've heard um, a lot of people call that shadow work. Is that, is that similar? Um, yep. Yeah. So people have said, I taught at an event recently at a nonprofit and one of the people said, oh, have you read this book on shadow work? And I'm like, oh, no. And they're like, well, it's like this and this. And I was like, yeah, that's what I do. Like kind of the dark side um, and, and just the stuff that we all have. So when I dive into somebody, it's kind of a weird term, but it's like I unzip them. 
And then they open up and I see this golden light side that's just pure love and pure essence and, and why we do the things we do. And then we see all the emotional crap. There's the stuff that we don't like, the stuff that we don't want to admit we have, the, the things that are blocking us from that light kind of shining through. And so that's kind of very similar to that. It's very sh- similar to like the shamanic shadow work as well, uh, where you go in and you go through a transformational journey and, and you kind of have to look at the stuff that you don't want to see. And then you come out on the other side changed and different and more free, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I Maybe you guys covered this. My internet here just sucks and I keep getting pulled out of the stream here and jumping back in, but um, I'd love to know how you got into this and, and maybe you've already covered that. Well, oh, we haven't. So, uh, um, what was it? like 15 years ago, um, 14, 15 years ago, I was a professional makeup artist and I had a direct sell company that was doing really good, breaking records in the state. And I had this trigger where I would make a certain amount of money and then I would stop and I'd make a certain amount of money and then I'd stop. It was like zoom, eek, zoom, eek, zoom, eek. And I couldn't figure it out. Um, and I grew up in, you know, I, I have abuse in my past. I have, well, I mean, we all have emotional crap, but I had a lot of worth issues and a lot of value issues. And I didn't know that I had them. And I thought I moved through them. I read every self-help book and, um, and I was very, very religious at the time too. And so a friend of mine was, who was in the same industry out in Washington state said, Hey, you should talk to this girl. I know she can remove your trapped emotions. And it sounds like you might have a trapped emotion around being successful or around money. And I was like, what? That's really weird. Like, uh, that's outside of my belief bubble. Uh, that's really bizarre. And I don't think I know. And and then I, I thought about it more and I was like, okay, well, we're the same religious belief. So if she, it's okay for her, it's probably okay for me. (laughs) So I ended up calling this woman and I'm on the phone with this woman and she did a practice called the emotion code. And so she would go through and do muscle testing, which is your body's positive or negative response to a question. And so she'd go through yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, finding emotional crap things. And as she dove in, she found an emotion and then she stopped. And she's like, I'm sorry, Holly, I just, I I can't really do this for a minute. Sometimes I get this weird sensation in my body. And she started to explain what she was feeling in her body. And I was like, oh. You're describing my panic attack that I'm feeling right this very second. Whoa, what is this? This is crazy. Um, Because anything metaphysical, anything woo-woo was way outside. Like I was very much in a box and you had to fit in that box or you were weird and evil and weird and weird and weird. (laughs) That was the big thing that kept coming. This is just weird. Um, And so that moment I was like, okay, you've got my attention because it was like an emotion of like hatred and it was causing me to have this panic attack. And I'm like, you sensed that on the phone miles and miles away. And that was before video conferencing. And so it was like, she can't even see me. She's, she's never even met me. And so at that point, um, we began working together every week and she would find a bubble of emotion and then she'd find an event from the past and then she would clear it and find another bubble, find another event and clear it. And growing up with abuse, um, I have rape in my past. I have, uh, I was pregnant at 14. I was homeless. I like, I had been through it. So if you can imagine how much time it was taking for every time I felt a negative emotion and I stuffed it to be cleared, it was just like, oh, this poor gal, it's going to take so many years and I just don't have the patience. And so I flew up to Washington and I watched her do a session and just watching and observing, not knowing anything about her modality or anything. I was like, wait, I know the answer before she knew the answer. How am I able to do this? That is so crazy. And so I decided at that point to study and see if I could figure out how to do what she does. And um, I started to kind of tune in and I learned the emotion code and got certified and all those things. And then I was still getting very impatient because it was like bubble, event, bubble, event, 
bubble event. And people would come back with the same emotions over and over. Like, oh, again, you don't feel wanted. Oh, again, you feel scarcity. Again, you feel lonely. Like, why can't we just get to the bubble machine? And so it's kind of my impatience that kicked in. And I said, well, why don't I just ask? And so I started to ask my spirit guides and they would say, oh, she's got emotional allergy. She's allergic to feeling wanted. So that's why unwanted always comes up because she doesn't know how to feel it. Oh, okay. And I didn't tell anybody I was doing it, but then people would find me that would ask for my help without realizing they were asking, you know, like something like, um, did you ever have a problem like asking for the sale when you're selling something? Like I just freeze, like my throat gets dry and I choke every time. I wish I could have somebody help me remove this one thing. And I'm like, don't tell anybody this because it's weird, but come over to my house and don't tell anybody. That's the biggest thing. And so from then I eventually learned, okay, this is something that I meant to do. This is not something to be afraid of. It's something to be understood. And so, yeah, here I am all this time later. And so it became its own system and its own organic creation. So when we release, we tie in um, Reiki and crystal therapy and essential oils and sound therapy, which is one of my favorites. Um, and so releasing methods are different for every person, but identifying it is mostly from an intuitive base, if that makes sense. So yeah, that's kind of how I found this. <laughs> so two questions, Holly, how long have you been doing this? And two, what do you do to handle or, or how do you handle people that are skeptical and, and just totally discount this as woo woo? Woo woo. <laughs> well, um, first of all, I've been doing it for about 14 or 15 years. I can't remember the exact year I started because it was kind of a slow process. And um, I do get a lot of skepticism and, and I usually just laugh and say, oh, I understand that because I'm a cynical psychic. So for me, even sometimes I will be doing sessions on someone and I'm like drumming and I'm like, pause in my head. How amazing is it that here I am drumming you and this is actually going to change your life? Like, really? This is so crazy right now. And so I just give them permission to be skeptical because even as somebody who does it all of the time, every single day, I still look at it and I'm like, this is so amazing. Like, wow. And I think we should be amazed every time. And when it becomes like, oh yeah, that's boring, of course, whatever. Then that's when it loses its magic and it loses its intention. Um, excuse me. I need some water. So, so um, and I, another thing. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I just want to know how each of these um, facets of this play a role. So you mentioned kind of an oil... Uh, essential oils, using those as part of the therapy. You talked about music and drumming. Um, I'd love to know, you know, each of these different aspects, what that looks like in a therapy session. Oh, awesome. Well, the first thing we have to do is identify what we're releasing. So like you can get a massage and it feels really good, but if it's not like deep tissue massage, it doesn't really heal the body. Um, and we could do drumming and drumming feels really good, or you can smell a yummy flower, but if you don't have an intention behind it, it doesn't actually clear it. Um, and the reason we do in a session, we do different types of healing. We don't do all of them every time. And that's because everyone learns differently. Everyone acquires emotional baggage differently. And we also have to release differently. So for example, if somebody is, has a spiritual gift of knowing where they just know things and they don't know how they know things, they just kind of acquire things just because they do. And so for them, um, the logic and the reasoning and the connecting the dots is going to be more powerful. But then for the healing and the releasing, they need something to tie in the physical and the mind. So they're going to be essential oils, smelling something. Um, because you, if you ever to tell you, what does a raspberry smell like as opposed to a strawberry? You'd be like, well, I know there's a difference, but I can't really describe it. That's kind of how the gift of knowing is. So that's where we would use essential oils. So they would rub them in their hands or put them on a certain point in their body. Um, as we are doing the releasing technique, um, for somebody who has to be told that you're clearing this now, like, okay, 
we have this emotional impulse to feel anxiety. So we're going to drum. And as we drum, you're going to say in your mind, I'm releasing this anxiety. I'm releasing this anxiety. I'm releasing this impulse to anxiety. So you're actually telling your body, I'm releasing this. I'm in charge of my body. And I choose to not have this anymore. And then as you're saying it, your ears are hearing it. And you're having the sound, which helps to break it out of the cells, if that makes sense. So that's just a couple of them. Is that, or are you wanting more? (laughs) Well, the, you know, um, McKellen, you were just talking about the drumming a moment ago. Like what, so you're saying that essentially whatever the experiences you're trying to work on, that there is a way to tap into those senses essentially and may help the person to make the connection. Correct. And, and that's why, like, for example, Reiki, um, it's an energy healing where you have energy going through, but it's all non-touch. So for some people, if you're supposed to, you know, if I were to go, okay, mm, I'm healing you. Some people would be like, yes, I can feel it. Oh, that's feels so good. And other people it's like, yeah, I felt nothing. And the reason for that is because we all have different languages. And so it's important to have the thing you're releasing to match the language of releasing. So they need to be in alignment. Otherwise it's not going to resonate and it's just wasting time and efforts and energies. And so we have to have it one that fixes. It. It's not like one fix all just like with diet and exercise. There's not one diet plan or one exercise plan that works on everybody. There's not one healing modality that works on everybody either. So Holly, you mentioned something about crystals as well. And I know like, like Kelsey, um, is fascinated by rocks and she thinks that they have energy and healing properties. And I'm more of a skeptic. I think rocks are cool, but I, I've never, and I I tend to be more logical and um, I like research and I like science and I like facts. Um, Although I do consider myself pretty intuitive as well, but I just, I have a hard time understanding how rocks can be useful and how they can be, have energy and, and powers. And so maybe speak to that for just a minute. Well, and I know that most of this is audio, but I have here a huge black tourmaline. It's a big old chunk of rock. So I could take this and I could say, yes, this will protect me. Well, and for you, it probably will protect you by chucking it at somebody. Oh, look, negative people go away. (laughs) So it's not necessarily the rock that's going to magically do it. It's what intention we tell the rock to. So Um, I love this because a few years ago, my mom had passed and everybody was going through her things and clearing things out. And somebody came across a little tiny box and they're like, Holly, do you want anything? And I'm like, no, I don't need anything. Well, what about her clothes? I'm like, I don't need anything. Like I see spirits all the time. She's not gone and there's nothing physically tangible that ties me to her. So I'm good. I don't need anything. I have her love. I don't need anything. And so, but as we're going through her room and her things, there was a little box that had polished crystals in them. And she's, and when they saw them, they're like, Oh, Holly gets these. And it's funny because my family's not, well, some people in my family do love crystals. Most of them do not. They're still very much in their own box. And so I'm like this weird gypsy, hipsy, witchy, bitchy kind of person. <laughs> and so I'm over here in this extreme. And so they don't always understand, but they do appreciate. And they knew, know me well enough to know that I would love that. And so they give it to me when I came, they're like, Hey, we have this box for you. And I was like, Oh, I love these. And they were ones that her dad had polished. And so it was really special to me. And I'm like, this is perfect. This is all I would ever want. And my brother comes in and he's, um, very much a, what's the word? Like a testosterone man. So I have two brothers. One of them is into cars and he's a barber and he's a psychologist and all those things. And the other one is an electrician and also a car man, but a car man and really buff and football player. Right. And so I have two, one's like skinny and tall, one's burly and buff. And so um, the burly and buff one comes in. He's like, 
well, I could put a slab of concrete on my neck and it'd protect me. And I was like, Hmm. And I just didn't really, I let him have his space because we're all mourning too, by the way, you know, this is, we just finished burying my mom. And so I was like, I'm just going to let him have that. And then I turned to my other brother and I was like, you could actually, because little do you know, we have intention in everything we touch. And so if I wanted a slab of concrete to protect me, I could put it on my neck and say, Hey, concrete, protect me, keep me safe, keep other energies and things around. And it's not necessarily the rock that's doing it. It's my intention. And it's giving me a tangible sign to give permission for me to be protected. And so, and, and peace of mind and placebo and all of those things, we just need something tangible that will attach to it. Now, when it comes to like, oh, but what does this rock do? What does that rock do? Like my little black tourmaline I have here. Um, the difference is, is some, some elements are easier at sending an energy back or an energy out that aligns with that attention. So for me, black tourmaline, it just makes it easier for me to feel like the energies in that, accept it and it's easier for them. But black tourmaline is not the only crystal to protect it. I've had people, I said, Ooh, try black tourmaline because it kind of absorbs all the negative stuff. And they're like, Oh, I don't like that, but I do love amethyst. Okay. Amethyst is also a protective one. This is how it does it. And usually it disperses energy, um, just like different plants and feng shui create a different energy in the room. So it's, it's more like it's easier for that object to obey, so to speak. I have air quotes. <laughs> um, if it's already programmed that way, just like minerals, just like plants have medicine, the rocks get to have medicine too. It just makes it easier. Or some of them help to remind us like citrine is one that's, I wonder if I have any here. It's one that's um, dark yellow. And it, as it goes on the points, it goes to white and a clear. And so it's crystal of creation, which if you think about it, you have something really cloudy and then you get really clear and it's pure. And so it's a good symbol as well for the mind to go, oh, when I hold this, I think of the color yellow, which stimulates different things in my body and in my brain, which make me happy. And then also gives me an example of what creation looks like. So I can remember to create and take this muddy kind of color and turn it into something bright and pure. Does that make sense? So that's my view on crystals. That's why I love them. Yeah. So like Mikkel said, I'm a skeptic as well. And, but I love learning about how other people approach um, life or waking up or helping people overcome trauma, different types of therapy. And, you know, we were sitting with a couple of friends last night, just having a, a conversation. And um, the one friend was talking about like, when we come to all these different facets and, and last week we talked to a gentleman about astrology and this week we're talking to you about, about crystals and the healing arts and, and, and using rocks and, and you know, musical instruments. And it's so easy for everybody to dismiss that. And, and I don't, I, I think you can come into these things with a, a woo woo kind of um, perception or, or I think even as a skeptic, I can come to these things and say they're on some level work even if it only helps these different things help our own if that makes sense am i saying that right like i'm trying you to kind of come into little these little like situations and make level even if they remain more. skeptical that these therapies working even if at the very minimum doing something to get our own brain to work and, and work these things out and make yeah, I think I think what Bill is saying is that um, there's power in what we what we direct our focus on, and so no matter what our belief is, um, whether that's in a religious system or 
some of the other healing arts, there's power in what we what we give our attention to. And so I think it's really cool that there are people who know how to do these kinds of things. Um, and just because I don't understand it completely doesn't dismiss it or um, it's not invalid. It's, it's, I mean, that's why I wanted to have you on the show is so I could have a greater understanding of what it is you do. And, you know, I, I know that there's people that you've helped and I think that's really awesome. Um, I, I just don't understand it completely. And so I wanted to ask you, Holly, um, you did, you did mention the word witch and I have been <laughs> fascinated by witches. And so would you consider yourself a witch? Um, well, and it's interesting because, well, yes, I would, but not in the way that a lot of people put the word witch. So right. not, not a, a pointed hat riding around on a <laughs> right or holding seances and calling in the spirits and right. I mean I know there's people that do that and they that's their view and they find power in it and help people through that so to each their own of course but for me I'm more of a witch in the way of when we think of witch um back in the witch trial days it was like a healer so somebody came to you sick and they made you better oh you're a witch you're doing magic and so but it's like yes it is magic but magic is more of intention plus the pairing of pieces and elements to create something. And so it's not magic in the way that a magician is, you know, causing, what's the word, concealing and hiding and trickery. It's nothing like that. It's more of using authentic magic where you say, here's an intention, here's an action. Um, and I always, I love the term when people say, oh, you're just so lucky. And I'm like, uh, luck has nothing to do with it. Like I pulled in this piece and I pulled in this piece and I pulled in this piece and I looked at myself and said, okay, here's what I want. And then it gets to happen. And so it just makes it easier for the things I desire to come to me. And so I do things like ceremonies um, and intention setting and plant elements and even menstruational elements. I'm just going to throw that out there. So I guess that's like the full witch, right? <laughs> um, but there's cells in there and, and there's energies in it. And it's more of energy based than it is um, chanting and seancing and things like that. So um, if you even look at like a lot of the pharmaceuticals right now they could be considered a witch because they're going through and they're taking elements breaking them down making a concoction and then saying here during this and you will be healed so i think the the deep down witches are ones who are able to connect to what's available in the earth and one there's different types of witches so people have asked me what kind of witch i would be and i would say i'm an earth witch so i take elements of the earth restructure them have them out for specific intentions and different things like that so for me, that's kind of what I would, but yes, I do frolic under the full moon naked and all of those things too. So maybe I am the pointy hat kind of witch now that I'm saying that out loud, <laughs> but it's more about self-expression and just connecting and connecting with everything around you and finding that magic in it and then applying it and transmuting it and, and remembering it when you are having dark times or when you're having struggles or when things don't make sense or when the messy humans get in the way, <laughs> including ourselves. <laughs> I was told that my sound was kind of whack the last time I was talking to you guys. So sorry about that. But um, I, I guess my point being from before is that for the skeptical person, if it works, it works. Come into things, stand the, the, the reasoning behind how something works. If it does the trick, if it therapeutically helps you, if you're able to resolve past traumas, if you're able to grow and develop and to make connections that are deep, uh, deeply helped, then, then accept it for what it is and, and allow it to just work on a, on a practical level. Right. Well, yes. Um, um one of my, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. 
I was going to say, one of my clients um, recently did a magnet therapy and it was a very intense therapy where you go in like multiple times a day for like six weeks and it's magnets, magnets, magnets. And it's interesting because he was having a session with me. And the thing that came through was you need to allow yourself to let this work instead of going, is this going to work? Is this going to work? Is this going to work? Well, you already thought it would work because you decided to invest in it. You decided to give this person money. You decided to go and spend all this time doing it. But then sometimes it's like, okay, I'm expecting it to fail. I'm expecting it to fail. Guess what? It does because your mind's just as powerful. And so I love that you share that because sometimes it's just a matter of allowing it to work. And if you have to really force yourself to allow to work, then it's probably not your modality. It's probably not your language. And that's okay too. It doesn't mean that one's wrong or right. It's just like, oh, that's just not my preference. Just like, you know, sushi. I love sushi, but a lot of people are like, ooh, no, raw fish is not my preference. Gross. And so, um, but to me, I'm like, ooh, foodgasm, it's delicious. So it's allowing yourself to go, ooh, this is my preference and this is my not without having any type of like mean or discrediting judgment. I think that's where sometimes we get stuck in a funk is we're like, that's not okay. This is not okay. This is right. You're wrong. And it's like, oh, there's truth in everything. We can all be right. So. I love that you point that out from a skeptic perspective, because yes, that makes perfect sense to me. Well, Bill, I was having a hard time waking up this morning. You know how it goes. You stay up too late partying or hanging out with friends. And then you've got to get up early to record a podcast. So what do we do in those instances? And on every other day of the week? Coffee. Red Roca coffee. It helps you and me as we're awakening in the morning. My favorite brew is Heathens or Good Mojo. And sometimes I like it hot. In the summertime, every once in a while, I'll drink it cold. Red Roca Coffee is a small family-owned business here in the United States. If you need a cup of joe to help you awaken, give Red Roca Coffee a try. We're sure you'll like it. We're sure you'll like it. That's redrocacoffee.com. When you place your order, put in the code AWAKE. A-W-A-K-E. You'll get a 10% discount and you'll get free shipping on orders over $30. Check out Red Roca Coffee today. Again, Red Roca Coffee. For those times when you need help awakening. So tell me, Holly, um, I know that you make drums. Like, tell me about the how you got started in that and what role drums play in the process of healing that you do. And I, I know you've done drum circles and drum ceremonies, and so just speak to that for a minute. Yeah. So with drums, um, it's interesting because a lot of people think that, so I make hoop drums, which are really big rings made out of wood. And mine are all made out of like one solid slice of wood that you hollow out the inside. And so the hoop drum, it's actually not just a Native American thing. Some people think they are. And I'm like, no, they're actually found on every single continent in the world. In every primal civilization, they had drums. And the reason for that is because it offers physical and emotional healing. And it used to be that you would have an ailment, you'd go into the village and the women would come and they would drum you and they would heal any physical ailment, any infertility, any demon, demon possession, all of it was done with the community coming together and encircling and drumming. Um, and the cool thing about sound is that it resonates to the nonverbal parts of us. So if you think about the first time, your first experience as a mortal, wasn't light or dark, wasn't your own existence or your own awareness. It was your mother's heartbeat. And so when you do drum, it tells those cells to go back to that moment when that was all you knew 
and that beat kind of, it's kind of like a Pavlo's dog and the ringing bell and he slobbers everywhere. It's kind of that concept is your body will automatically start creating new cells and going back to their truest form. And so that's kind of some of the science behind it. Um, I learned about it from women and that's originally how it started was women teaching women. And so I learned the ancient way with other women. Um, and as women would come and drum, eventually the, the, as word spread of, Hey, you can use these drums to create positive things. What if we use them to create negative things? And so then they began to use them with intention for things like war and the Viking ships cadence and boom, boom. And, and I mean, I don't know about you, but if someone's running at me and we're about to battle and you know, I, I feel pretty strong. Otherwise I wouldn't be battling them and charging them. But if they have drums and I don't, it's like, Oh, they're really going to kill us. Do you hear how loud they are? They stomp like giants. And that's kind of how that started becoming more of a universal sound, um, and a universal tool, but it was originally designed for healing. So when you drum, it's not about how loud can you drum or being a percussionist or having a certain cadence. It's more about the sound itself, telling those cells heal, heal, heal. And then it comes back to intention. So if I were to drum and say, Ooh, you're going to be so scared. I'm going to kick your butt here then obviously that's going to be a counter <laughs> to healing. Um, and for me, I learned um, the first experience I had was when I went to, like well, I've been to powwows for years and years and years. My oldest daughter's Native American. And I was pregnant with her when I was 14. And so um, her dad was in and out of prison and I wanted her to have her culture. I didn't want her to go without because I was this white girl. And so I would take her to the powwows. I would sew her jingle dresses and her fancy dresses so she could participate. And so I, and I just loved it. And I didn't know why I loved it. And I always felt like I was like this outsider just sneaking in, but I was just so drawn to it. Um, and so years and years of learning all of that, um, I, and I kind of just forgot that I had that. It just became part of our life. And she's now 22 and married and all that fun stuff. But um, then I went to a drum circle that had a big, huge powwow drum. And it was for veterans um, suicide prevention. And it was in Utah County. And I went there and I started drumming um, in the powwow circle. They just had their drums there. They're like, feel free, go ahead and join. And so I had a little drum on one hand and I was drumming like, no, you can drum the big drum. I'm like, I can drum the big drum. Okay. And I hit it and it was like, boom, something in me just cracked open and somebody had taken a picture. And it's funny because my smile is so big. It's like the sides of my mouth are up by my eyeballs and you can't even see my eyes. And it's just like, wow. And it was just like that moment when you found something that you didn't realize was missing and it just snapped open. And um, so from then on, I was really hooked. And so I, I went and studied with different women of how to make different drums and I would practice and it kind of became a thing and I'd share it here or there, but I know more recently people are like, wow, you weren't like known as a drum person. And I was like, no, I kind of kept it as one of my private things. Like what's something that no one knows about you? Oh, I make drums. Really? Yeah. And so, you know, I don't want people to think it's weird. And now I'm like, okay, we're just embracing that it gets to be fully weird. So um, that's kind of how I found them. And then as time went on, I studied more and studied more and found the different medicines that the animals represent and, and different reminders that they give us and the different sounds and tones and how they can heal different parts of the body and things like that. So it's kind of a cool, fascinating way. They, I feel like they found me rather than me finding them. <laughs> It's super cool. Kelsey and I have been watching this uh, series on um, Hulu called Alone. And it's about um, wilderness survival. So they'll take a, these 10 people, they drop them off on this 
super isolated place and they have no human contact whatsoever. They, they have uh, camera equipment and they document their own journey and um, survival. And it's really interesting because several, several of the people that are there, one, talk about how terrible it is to be alone and to have no human contact. But it's interesting because several of the people have made their own instrument and how they, they talk about how that instrument, it, you know, one guy made a little like guitar, you know, super primitive. And one guy made a drum and it's just how that helped them survive longer than some of the other people. Um, and so it's just interesting. I'm so fascinated by music and, and how that plays a role in, um, how we function as humans. You mentioned something about cells and memory. What do you mean by that? So the cells of our DNA, it's almost like they have these, what's called little gates. Um, and so the gates open and close and open and close and open and close. And so when they open and close, uh, all the good stuff gets to come in like nutrition, um, positive emotions, positive energies. And when that they open and all the good stuff comes in, all the bad stuff goes out, any stagnancy. And so when it comes to cell therapy, um, what's happening is when you drum, that vibration and that sound causes those gates to open and close. Where if we struggle with health issues, where if we struggle with emotional depression, things like that, that cause stagnancy, those gates don't open and close. So it doesn't matter how many good vitamins you're putting in your body. It doesn't matter what you do. Your body's not receiving it. It's not changing. It's staying stagnant and stagnant becomes mutated, which becomes like almost like a cancer um, or sometimes literally cancer. And so there's colleges and studies that have shown um, they bring in patients, especially like neurological patients, and they do drumming for like 45 minutes and rank them. And, and it's all the science stuff. And I read it, but I don't, I don't profess to be a scientific researcher. I just read the research and go, oh, that's cool. So there's science to it. Neat. But I encourage you to Google it because it's really neat. Um, but they show studies where the cells actually do start to regenerate and those gates open and close. And as they do, more of the good stuff gets in your body, more of the bad stuff gets out of your body. So it creates instant movement. Um, and when we earlier when I, getting when I talked about how sometimes we need words to know what we're clearing, the cool thing about drums is, is they can open up those cells and start to create some movement so that you can start having that awareness and you can actually start releasing because they can release the nonverbal stuff, the stuff that you're like, I don't remember that because I was two, but for whatever reason, I always have this pain in my knee from when I tripped when I was two and it never fully healed. Well, the drum can actually do that because it's just telling the cells heal, align, activate, do something just like dancing or exercise, or, um, even like those vibration platforms do like, there's so many healing things out there. Um, but sound has been proven to be not just an emotional healing, but like a physical piece too. So that makes perfect sense. Um, and especially when you're talking about that alone show with them feeling isolated, it also probably gives them a way to stay sane because it gives them a place to put the anxiety, a place to do something different. If they play that makeshift guitar or that drum in a different cadence, then it creates new neurological pathways and it, and it gives stimuli and it gives dopamine and gives all those hormones into their body so that they can function with that stress that they're probably feeling. And they don't feel so alone. I can't tell you how many times I love drumming alone because there's no one to judge me. Nobody cares. And so I can be as loud as I want. Well, actually not as loud as I want. Cause sometimes my neighbors don't like me <laughs> and I get some nasty text messages, but <laughs> I'm like, Oh, oops, sorry. So I try and be nice, but, or do it inside my house. And then my kids are the only ones who have to tolerate me drumming, but um, they're just kind of used to it now and don't pay attention. But sometimes alone is, is the best time to have those 
methods of play and all those chemicals and hormones that our brain releases when we do play, because as adults, we rarely play like we used to when we were kids. I, uh, I'm, I'm turn off my camera for a second just to see if my sound is any better if I do that. Um, some people will think that's out there, the idea that there's memory in our cells, but science recently came out with studies that showed that they can they can prove that we humans store some le- on some level parts of our memories in our DNA, and they can show that the children born after that traumatic event versus the children born before that traumatic event handle similar events differently. And so there is evidence out there. I mean, again, as science moves along and we go through another 100, 200, 500 years, we're going to continually learn things that at first we would have said, like, that's crazy talk or that's insane. The reality is that we don't know what we don't know and we're always learning new things all the time. Yes. um, I remember when I first read about the epigene, I think is what you're talking about. And it looks like a little... In the imagery they do in all the science reports, it looks like a little kidney floating above the DNA. And so it holds experiences, emotions. And that's kind of how, if you think about it, that's how evolution happens. You wonder like, oh, why do people who live in certain parts of the world, you know, not now because obviously we have travel, but if a concentration of people live in an area for so long, they begin to look a certain way. You know, you're out in the sun all day. Now your skin's darker so that you can handle being out in the sun all day. You, you know are in a colder climate, guess what? Now you're hairier. <laughs> and so the, I think in my opinion, that's how our evolution happens is it holds experiences and the traumas and and also the positive experiences for reinforcement. And then that way the next generation holds those and can adjust and adjust and adjust and adjust. And eventually we create a whole new dynamic or a whole new species because we've evolved based on those experiences. So it's kind of like you know, we think at first, oh my gosh, this is so miraculous and how amazing and how out there. And then it's like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. Of course. Like, why wouldn't it be? And duh. So I, I had that happen to me a lot when I'm researching, I'm like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Oh, wait, duh. Of course. Why, why wouldn't it be this way? So it's kind of fun to see it evolve as time goes on. Could you share um, maybe two or three of the folks that you've worked with? Too specific. I don't need names necessarily. Um, in fact, let me turn off the cam here again. Okay. So I think could, it was a little bit better. Yeah, no, yeah, no sweat. So is could you share maybe two or three instances of folks who came to you for help? And again, I don't need any personal information, but maybe like success stories, things that were um, big blocks for them that kind of were overcome through these types of therapy. Yeah. Um, well, one that I love is because um, as we're talking about skeptics, I have a client who her husband's a huge skeptic. Like he's like, I don't know. Mm." Um, And she was just like, you know what? I'm just not resetting. I'm not able to move forward. I don't know why I feel stuck. I'm just so stopped. And um, I'm going to be very careful just in case they watch because I don't want to give any information away. But it was just interesting because she recently reached out and she's like, yeah. So after our first session, my husband's like, what did she do? And she's like, I couldn't really explain it, but she just did this thing and it was just gone. And I just felt better. He's like, well, I don't know what she's doing and it doesn't make any sense to me, but this is the first time we've sat and had dinner with your mother. And I didn't want to reach across and slap her. And we didn't even do her mother. We didn't do anything with the mother. It was just her and her reaction and whatever she was projecting out. And so that one, it just made me laugh. Um, and because he's still a skeptic, but he's also like, keep going though but I don't believe in this, but keep going though. Um, and then another one, one of my favorites is a friend of mine. She just recently got married. Well, we're friends now. We weren't friends before, uh, but we did sessions and she had this thing where it was almost like 
she was thinking people were things, thinking things that people weren't thinking. I'll say it again. She was thinking things that people were thinking that they weren't even really thinking. And so there was this cycle that she was kind of trapped in um, where she desired to feel certain emotions. And so if she couldn't feel them in her head, then she would make them happen in reality. And so every time she would go on dates, it would be like one to three dates and then it wouldn't go through one to three dates. And then something would happen. And she's just like, like, I'm really ready to like be in love and be married and have a relationship. And I don't understand how I can get over that hump and, and why for years I've been working on myself and working on all these things. And I don't understand why love's not getting in. Like, I just, I have no reason why it's not. It just doesn't. And they usually choose out. And so as we were working together, there was one situation where she, somebody had, she had a date set up and it was like the third date. Cause it's usually by the third date that they would stop. Um, and so she had a date set up and at the last minute he canceled and said he was sick and she was like, Ugh. and so it's funny because I, they don't tell me anything. Like I just get the pieces after I do my bit, they're like, Oh, well this connects here and this connects there. But usually it's me explaining it to them. And so I'm like, Oh, this is kind of what you're doing. You are like, did you have a date recently? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, and oh, okay. So here's the block and here's what it looks like. So for example, you would have a date and then they would do this and this and, and, and they would maybe make you feel unwanted and make you feel like you didn't matter. And she was like, oh my gosh, I have to tell you because he canceled last minute. And so, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And I was like, see, here's another guy that doesn't want you. I'm like, um, he was really sick and he was actually looking so forward to seeing you that he waited till the last minute to say, Oh, I'm not going to make it. So he was sick all day. It wasn't like he just all, because in her head, she was like, oh, he's just all of a sudden sick. He doesn't want anything to do with me. And that wasn't the case at all. He really wanted to, and he was hoping he would get better so he could see you. But because you have this desire to feel unwanted, you blew up at him and said, well, if you're not interested, you should have just told me and did it. And she just killed the relationship right there. And see, it's that I'm unwanted. I'm like, no, you just exploded on him. And it just looked like this. Instead, you should have just allowed him to reschedule, hold off your judgment until he reschedules. And so it was funny. And she was like upset, but then she kind of laughed at herself and we cleared it. And then um, she recently just got married <laughs> somebody else, but she finally was able to like date enough and not sabotage it and not kill it when it was just barely a spark or just barely a flame. So that one's been, that was one of my favorites that I've had recently um, but yeah, I, I was funny. I was cleaning out some things in my office and I had notebooks after notebooks after notebooks of clearings. And so it was just like, I need to like burn these and get rid of these, but there's just so many. Um, well, yeah, that was two. So I'll stop there, <laughs> but it's kind of neat just because mostly it's just like seeing the sabotage, seeing the things that you do that you don't know that you do, but you keep doing and you just want to stop, but you don't know to see it. Because if you think about it, if it's like a core part of you, sometimes we don't understand that those parts of us aren't us. Like, um, I had somebody else who's like, oh, I'm just shy. I'm just shy. Like, you're not shy. You're just afraid. You're afraid that this would happen or that would happen or this other scenario would happen. You're afraid that people would reject you after you spoke up and shined out. So why don't we remove the fear and then you can just be because shyness isn't part of anyone's character. None of us choose to be shy and are shy naturally. We're shy because we're afraid. And so um, it's really fun because she's now a public speaker. <laughs> And she was just like, no, I'm too shy. I can never do that. I'm like, uh, yes, you can. <laughs> and you want to. And, and it's more about just helping people to find the alignment and get what they want and get out of their way and see how the world's not as scary as we think it is. Everybody doesn't hate us. We're not broken. We're not not enough. It's just a matter of saying, oh, this is who you are. So accept all the pieces and get rid of the ones that you don't want. So it's been really fun. It's super cool. As I just sit here listening to you, Holly, I think about um, 
I've had several experiences with like woo-woo things that I really wouldn't have paid attention to or um, given energy to, but for whatever reason in that moment, going through whatever experience I was going through, if that makes sense, like I still super in my religious system and went to a retreat, a women's retreat. And one of the um, other women got this crazy idea to go do yoga uh, under the full moon naked and invited a couple of other people. And I was like, that is crazy. I would never do that. And um, just through some encouragement, like just people like what's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not bad. Nobody's like trying to get with anybody else. And, and so I went and did it and it was like the most freeing and amazing experience, but I can't put my finger on why, you know what I mean? Like it was cool. Um, and so I think if we, if we allow ourselves the space to just have an experience, it doesn't really matter what the experience is. If we're open to it, there can be value from, from having an open mind. Yeah. Well, and when you, you had mentioned the drum circles and when we do drum circles, it's really funny because I kind of look around and I'm like, okay, who's a drum virgin <laughs> and have everybody raise their hands. I'm like, okay, just so you know, it may be weird. And it's funny because I'll go through and I'll say, and here's your permission to say, this is really weird. And it's fine if it's really weird. You're here. So yay for being here. And if you walk away and say that's stupid, at least you tried something new. At least you expanded your understanding. At least you learned that there's weirdos like us out there. And it's funny because nobody ever says that, but it's like giving permission right away from the beginning to say, you know what? You can think this is weird. Because how many times have we tried something and like halfway through, we're like, this is really weird. Oh, I don't want anybody to know that I think it's weird though, because then now I'm the weird one because you guys are all weird, which makes me weird for not being weird. And it's like, get out of your head, (laughs) just be with the moment. And so sometimes it's fun just to laugh at it a little bit. Like, and, and every drum circle I do is different. And most of mine are more of like a group healing session than like the traditional drum circles. And so um, in it, after we identify what we're releasing, we actually come together and we support each other in releasing. And we kind of hold space is the term that is more well-known. And if you think of when I talked about, you go to the village and the women would come and drum you, it's a way for the community to come together and say, Hey, guess what? It's okay that you have some shit that needs to be cleared. I hope it's fine that I swore because I just did. Um, <laughs> you have some that needs to be cleared. And so I'm here for you and I support you in this. And you, guess what? After I support you, you're going to get to turn around and support me. So there's a level of community that's coming together too that is powerful in any type of healing is having support and not feeling alone and not feeling isolated. And so as we do that, um, a lot of times there'll be people clearing in the center of the circle. And then there's people on the outside who are drumming and it looks different every time. But when we get drumming and we're taking drums and we're holding them down at our feet and raising them up to the heads and holding them down and walking in a circle, it's like, sometimes I'll get people who are like, I just, I just want to chant. I just want to do a, you know, some type of a sound. I'm like, I know it's because it feels primal. It feels like we're just letting go of all of the materialism. It's letting go of all of the facades and it's just being a human and helping another human be a human. And sometimes we get all caught up in like, okay, let's talk to spirits and okay, let's, let's worry about all of these details and scrutinize everything. Well, let's go back to the basics. I'm a human and I want you to be happy and this feels good. Let's enjoy this. And so it's, it's, I can absolutely relate to like the whole, 
okay, this is kind of weird, but it's also kind of good at the same time. And I don't understand it and allowing yourself to not always have to understand it, but just going, Hey, I'm understanding this experience. Um, or I'm enjoying this experience or, you know what? I'm enjoying knowing that this experience is not for me <laughs> and creating contrast. Like it's always a good thing to me anyways, to be this bill. I, uh, again, my sound's probably going to be screwy here. Sorry about that. But I, I've got friends who have done a ceremony. And music plays a huge part in that. Their feedback is that music is crucial to, to the growing and awakening and learning and dealing with trauma from, from the past in that experience. I have to come to grips that for, for a million years, we've, we've been making our own music. We've, um, we've had ways in which that us as a tribe could rid ourselves of our traumatic experiences and deal with uh, the unhealthy things that come human. Um, I, I love that whether people who are listening, believe or don't believe, I love that being something from it. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and I, and I love the part where you said like, yeah, we've always been doing music. We've always been creating. And, and even like ayahuasca ceremonies, it's, it's a, it's a journey. Um, one of the things I love is is allowing yourself to say, this is what I love and not having to have judgment on what you love being what someone else loves or not. So one of my favorites is, so my, I have a baby sister who she was giving birth to a stillborn. Um, the baby was still alive, but it was too early. There's no way to save it. And so she knew she was going to have to deliver a baby that would not live. And it was, it was the same year after my mom had passed. And so our family was just like, ah, great. Another loss. And I was on the other side of the curtain because she wanted to try and do it by herself with her sweetheart. And so she's like, I want to do it on my own, but I really want to know that you're there if I need you and I can't handle it. And she was in this moment of fear and grief, but still had to like woman up and handle it. And she's so cute. She put on Metallica and she's blasting out to Metallica as she's going through labor and she's going through this hard thing. And she's like, and later she's like, is it weird that it's making me feel really good? I'm like, are you kidding? Crank it up. Like, no, this is what, this is your language right now. This is what you're feeling. And that's why we love music. And that's why it resonates. And that's why humans have always done it. It's because it's a way to express emotion. It's a way to move through emotion. And, and one person may not think of Metallica as a soothing, relaxing music to give birth to, but for her, that was her language. And that was like, yes, I am strong. I am powerful. I can do this. And it gave her exactly what she needed because it created an intention in her body that could handle the trauma that she was experiencing. So side note, she did give birth to a beautiful, healthy boy on the exact same day, one year later. Wow. So talk about miraculous things, right? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, same birthday. So weird. So Holly, where can people find you? Um, so Facebook, I'm just Holly Hope, H-O-L-L-I-E, uh, H-O-P-E, or Instagram, I'm Holly.Hope, uh, or my website is thebeautyofperspective.com. So I love it. I, I, has your name always been Holly Hope or did you change your name to Holly Hope? So that is my birth name. So really? it's Hope is my middle name. So yeah, um, it's kind of a fun story because my older sister's faith, I was Hope, but my baby sister was supposed to be Charity. So we were Faith, Hope, and Charity, right? Except that after Hope was born, they went, wait, my maiden last name is Ride. So she would have been Charity Ride. And then they're like, maybe we'll do Faith, Hope, and Joy. Joy Ride. So it's Faith, Hope, and Lee. <laughs> But that's kind of where it came from. And I, I went by my last name 
um, which was a married name. And then I was looking for a pen name and I'm like, why don't I just go by my middle name? And I didn't really use it until I wrote a book. And then I was like, Oh, Holly Hope. And then I went through a divorce and I was like, Oh, actually this is perfect. I'll just go by this forever because that name's never going to change. So yeah, hope is legit. My middle name. I love it. Thanks. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Appreciate you spending some time with us today and helping people to understand what what some alternative therapies are and and help us make sense of of how practical these can be. Thank you. It's been really fun to chat and share. I love hearing. I love what you guys are doing and I love what you're creating and expanding awareness and opening the discussion. It's really fascinating. Love it. Love it. Love it. Appreciate it. Um, I did share the the website, thebeautyofperspective.com both on Facebook and on our YouTube channel. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Uh, folks, uh, check out Holly Hope. Check out thebeautyofperspective.com uh, if this uh, sounds like something that would be helpful to you. I know that <clears throat> uh, Chris Finnegan, who we interviewed a couple weeks ago on music, uh, just put a little thing out with a picture of a drum. I know that he loves music and he loves drums. Um, I know that some of the listeners uh, early on in the podcast uh, were talking about how this therapy has been helpful to them as well. So thank you. Thank you. Um, anything else, Mikkel, you want to ask Holly? No, it's just been a great discussion. I appreciate your time. It's been fun getting to know you and I look forward to interacting with you in the future. Thank you. You too. I just love you guys. You're awesome. Beautiful. Thanks love so much it. For yeah, no problem. Have a great day. You too. We'll see you. Okay. Mikkel, um, I got to tell you, I, I think we got to care less about the the narrative or the myth behind these kinds of things and what we have to look for. And I got to do this to myself in, in the religion I left that I, right? Like I got to say, if there's aspects of it that work and give people deep meaning and help them to grow and awaken and make connections, then, then as the Handmaid's Tale says, praise be, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's interesting because there, I was telling Kelsey the other day, there's, there's, I've always been fascinated with drums and like Native American culture, especially yeah. them doing their ceremonies and dancing and like around a fire or, or drums. And I think it goes back to what Holly said. It's just our, it's primal. It's, it's yeah. what we've always known. It's in our DNA. And um, why not? I, I deeply believe that the people she's working with and that others in these various facets, the the therapies they're doing, the help they're giving, I literally believe that works. And I and I don't necessarily believe the the woo-woo behind it, the story that we give for why it works, but I deeply believe that human beings who have trauma in their lives go through these rituals that are intended to get them to see or focus or look at their trauma a different way. And they essentially unlock a box and are able to now start to look at their trauma differently and to be able to deal with it. Um, another little side story, my mom, while she was dying in cancer in a hospice facility, uh, one there was one day where I stepped outside of her room and I went out into this big open great room and all the different hospice rooms were and hallways were off this big great room. It was center meeting place, uh, place. And every evening they would have somebody come in and play music of some sort or read poems, or do something to give the families a moment and to kind of reground themselves. And the one day I go out there, and there's this man playing a Native American flute. Oh, man. And I, I'd never heard a Native American flute before. And it is the most 
peaceful, beautiful sound. And I'm listening to this as my mom is dying, you know, a hundred feet away. And, uh, I come home from that experience and now almost every night, my wife and I put native American flutes on in the background as we're going to sleep. And it is, it's the most beautiful therapeutic noise to go to sleep to that I've ever had. I know that you met friends put on certain kinds of, uh, meditations as well. I just think there are things that connect to our brain and help us to relax, grow, overcome, and we just have to give credit where it's due and we don't necessarily need to fight over why it works. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anything else from you? No, I'm good. Great interview. That was, uh, I love that you got her on. I love that we had this conversation. Listeners, almostawakened.org. Don't forget to check out Holly at thebeautyofperspective.com. Buy your Red Roca coffee, use the code, and it helps you. Uh, Mikkel, this is a lot of fun. I'm enjoying these conversations. I love coming into these as one who's discarded one system, and now I'm offering people a chance to hear other systems, and they're like, Bill, this is just another system. And I'm like, you know what? I like to learn, and I like to think about new things, and I like to be confronted with stuff. And whether something is um, functional, whether it's fictional, I I just – like the idea that all of us get a chance on this side of things to make our own conclusions and to do our own research. This has been another Almost Awakened episode. Check us out at almostawakened.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsense spirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director Brittany Hartman. 